Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome to another edition of the Backdoor Cut Show. I'm your guy, Zach, and you can find me on Twitter at BarnburnerBro. We are a Memphis Grizzlies-focused show brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network and Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Subscribe to the Barnburner Podcast Network on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your shows. You can also interact with us on Twitter at Backdoor Cut Show. This week, we will discuss how rare and joyous an occasion it is when the Grizzlies can actually get a W on their home floor. But before we get started, let's hear a note from our sponsor, Blue Note Bourbon, an artfully crafted small batch bourbon named after the sweet music of the Bluff City. Blue Note, as smooth as a Mike Conley and Mark Gasol bear hug. Blue Note, be noteworthy, Memphis. Now let's get it. of the Backdoor Cut show with me today. I got the entire crew. Got the West Coast Vino, Mason Massey, Barnburner Slim. How's it going, man? We win a game, baby. Let's go. <laughs> All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Every 20 games, the streamers are going to fall. Yeah, streamers yeah, I worked on that one beforehand. Streamers were packed in there. Finally got to shoot their load. <laughs> Also with us, we got the head honcho, the founder-in-chief, Sam. How you doing? Dude, I'm good. You forgot to welcome friends and family, so welcome family. Oh I know. No. That's on you. It's okay. That's why I'm here. Ne- they're not welcome at this one? I'm just kidding. Mom, if you're listening, you're very welcome to listen. <laughs> also, we got Big Rich, Slick Rich, Uptown Rich. How's yo, it? yo, yo, yo. What's up, man? What's good? What's going on, fellas? Not much. I hear you got to actually firsthand experience a victory oh, yeah. that like we haven't you know seen in a while. Oh yeah, man! It was like game seven in that home. <laughs> <laughs> man, you better go to all the games from now on, or don't. I got know to. What we're trying to do. I don't know. If we're trying to. to get it. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, quick rundown of last week. It was kind of a emotional roller coaster. I feel like, and you know, we covered a lot of it. We had a. Uh, sure everyone is aware of Mark and Mike being officially unofficially placed on trade block. If you haven't yet, we put an emergency pod out uh, on Tuesday, on Tuesday night uh, last week. So you can go and check that out. Uh, The week started off with the MLK day game against the Pelicans. And I think uh, the games that I've been to, especially this year, I think that was the second and that was probably the saddest game that I was at second to the Lakers game. The Lakers game was the first saddest game until 
the Pelicans game. I don't think that 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 game was just a letdown lost by like 20 to the Pelicans. Didn't even have Anthony Davis. Uh, That Miritich just hit a million threes. It was like six K, whatever, but it felt like it was a million and he just kept getting open ones. We didn't rebound. We didn't play defense. And that, that was really, that was one of those days I was just contemplating like, man, it's hard to be a Fizzlies. That was one of those days where it really like sinks in when you just get blown out on your home court for no apparent reason. You guys ever like when you're watching the Grizz play this season, think like, I mean, we saw Mike and Mark have pretty good games, but do you ever think like, how the hell have we ever won a game? Like, Oh yeah. That's what I felt Wednesday. Like it's, it's, I took the winning an NBA game for granted, even after last year, because last year we had the excuse of like a purposeful tank. Like we were, trying to be shitty and, you know, weren't playing all of our guys. Mike was hurt. Um, So there was kind of like this implicit built-in excuse in your brain about it. But now that like, you know, we're at least throwing out a a theoretical roster, like, and still can't win a game. It's like pretty damn depressing. Well, I mean, in that game, Shelvin Mack and Jay Mike were both minus 15. So you you keep doing the same thing. You're going to keep getting the same results. What also makes that game interesting is we forced 19 turnovers and still allowed them to score 105 points and only scored 85 ourselves. We just can't convert off of turnovers for whatever reason our transition is ass. And most of that reason is probably Sheldon Maxwell, but (laughs) that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Yeah, man, that was a tough one. On national television, like, you know, most of the national media attention we're getting now is pretty, like, either negative or trade bait and you know, they know the Grizzlies, like, you know, whether we're good or not, we're not going to be on national TV that much, but we know we're going to have the Dr. Martin Luther King Day game. Like, that's a given ingrained into the schedule. And, like, to lose by 20 at home to a team without their franchise player, that's just that's inexcusable, man. Any players. <laughs> right. Can we break right. out? <laughs> unforgivable. I feel like that's <laughs> Someone needs to, and it might be me, I might need to do this, but someone needs to take that video and apply it to the Grizz, overdub it to talking about the, this Grizz season. But that, that'll take a lot of time. So, Just add it to your list of things to do. Oh, I need more Should of those. Should be a problem, Good. dude. Yeah, yeah. Need one of those. Good. All right, it's Wednesday, uh, second game of the homestand, had the Hornets at home. Hornets, I feel like, are just a team that, for whatever reason, Memphis struggles to, you know, struggles to play well it's against every team. They're, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's true <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and Charlotte's, you know, hanging around 500, something that we wish that we were at. Um, I, I do like to see Kimba and Mike kind of go up against each other. I feel like they're a pretty good, like, comparison, I guess. Um, and like, see them go head to head and, you know, that was a game really didn't feel like Memphis was in it very much. Honestly, it was kind of like a, like a lethargic game. And even though Mike or Mark had a freaking triple double, I think it was his fifth triple double of his career or something. And Mike had 31 points, but here we are. We still lost by 11 to the Hornets at home on our home court. So I think Sam, like you said, it's like, how do you win a game when those things happen? I mean, we used to win games on defense. We just we couldn't stop them. They scored almost every position. It seemed like it, it's just. I mean, I don't know how we built a team on grit and grind uh, without anybody who can play defense, but that's what we've managed to do. Hell, even Batum was out there hitting shots or 
Batum's animated corpse because I, I'm not sure he's actually still living on this earth. But yeah, I mean, that was like his that, first good game like, ever. Right. I was like, all right, guys, see you later. Big cold, say. Oh, yeah. and don't forget Tony Parker, 17 points in 17 minutes against. Man, us. he went back in his bag, dude. Yeah. He had his mid range going. Like, it was just, oh. <laughs> just vintage Tony Parker. Remember when Kobe had that Vino shit? That's what Tony Parker did just then. Yeah, I mean, their yeah, bench was, if you look at their bench numbers, they were all like plus 13 or 14. They just ate us up the entire game. Yeah, Memphis is, and then towards the end of the week, had Kings on Friday. And then that's kind of like when it, it seems like everyone's starting to get their knees are breaking and shoulders and Temple got hurt Friday against the Kings. And then Caspi and Jamichael get hurt the next day. It's really, you know, Brooklyn, um, Anderson out too. It's really getting slim. Uh, not barn burner slim, but slim pickings as to who JB is going to put out there. But uh, Slim, you want to talk about anything from the Kings game that stuck out to you? I know it kind of ended super strange. Uh, well, I think Omri Caspi maybe a dunk too many times that game and hurt his knees. That's why he was unavailable on Saturday's game over the Pacers because he had like four or five dunks. He had 18 points. He was the leading scorer for us. Mike had, I think, 16 and 9, and Mark had 11 and 10. But Mike and Mark both had four turnovers apiece, and Buddy Heald – uh, continued his hot shooting streak. He was 6-9 from downtown. He had 26 Ooh. points. It, and it was just kind of another game where we never could get over the hump, um, except we just weren't scoring as much in the, as in the Charlotte game. Um, but we were getting a couple stops, just not enough. De'Aaron Fox hit a big, big shot over Mike Conley um, to basically ice the game. And it was good defense by Conley, just a better shot by Fox. Uh, the Yeah, the ending of the game, the referee – Call initially signaled a jump ball where Mark and uh, I can't remember who had the ball for for the Kings were going to jump ball. But uh, then they went to the monitor and changed it to a foul on Shelvin Mack, which in all honesty, was a right call. Uh, Shelvin was fouling him and that ref just like pissed his pants for a second. He called a foul. Then he called a jump ball and pointed. He didn't know what the hell he wanted to do. Was that brothers? Um, which No, it wasn't brothers, but it was on brothers crew. But brother Tony actually came in and changed the call, and he he got it right. Um, but just it goes to my point that people say these NBA refs are like really good at their job, but they're not. They're, they're not good at their job. Um, but they did get it right that time. Like, but, uh, so another loss, and it was just one of those things where we couldn't get stops when we needed to. Um, Bruno made his de- debut. Bruno Cabacolo, who we signed to a ten day, and he came out firing, but. Unfortunately, he couldn't hit shit in that game. That's pretty typical for when we uh, sign new players this year. Or trade, I guess, with a holiday. He'd been cold as ice. Shit, not lately. One of our best players. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, right when we got him, though, it took him forever to get warmed up. For sure. And uh, then Saturday, the Red Sea parted, the skies parted, everything parted. In a beautiful fashion <laughs> to give us the first victory inside the grindhouse that wasn't from the Tigers. And like, I actually haven't looked up to see how long it's been, but it has been a minute. Rich, I know you were at that one. What, uh, how, how great was that? What was the crowd like? What yeah, man. Tell us about it? Yeah, let me, let me set the scene. So, you know, 
got there, you know, excited to go to the game, see the Grizz hopefully pull out a W. You know, it's it didn't feel like an NBA game when I first got in there. Like, I got to the game at, like, 7.01. I think tip was at, like, 7. I calmly, like, was able to, like, walk to my seats and kind of leisurely stroll through the arena. Got to my seats, saw a lot of empty seats, man, which is, you know, pretty disappointing uh, for a Saturday night, 7 p.m. tip. But, um, you know, the Grizz got off to a hot start. Um, it really looked like the Pacers were kind of still trying to figure out how to function without Oladipo, part of the offense. Uh, and still, honestly, the Grizz almost low-key found a way to fuck it up again. Um, they were up like 14 points with like three minutes left and then just inexplicably kept fouling. Mike fouled a little bit. Um, and low-key, like the Pacers had a chance to get back in the game, but luckily we pulled it out. Um, throughout that game, man, Joe Kim, his passion, like you can just feel it like reverberating like through the arena. Like there was this awkward thing where it was like Grizz's birthday. So they were doing this like little weird like timeout <laughs> events for Grizz's birthday. And like the Phoenix Suns mascot was there and he's for some reason a gorilla. And then like the Charlotte Hornets mascot was there and Philly's mascot was there. Apparently his name is Franklin. And they were just doing weird shit. Um, and everybody was just like kind of, over it, just kind of low linking it. Joe Kim just came in there, man, and you know, he, he's going to play. He's going to play. Um, I think he had like nine points or something like that in like his brief minutes of play, and he just really uh, kind of changed things. Mike was kind of playing well. Mark seemed like he was really uh, fired up. Um, Javon, man, oh, it was rough. Javon was just, there were people in the audience like, just stop shooting! Stop shooting! And he just... That looks like he was up. Oh, for six and 26 Dude, it minutes was play. rough. Like, Oof. he just kept shooting, though. And, you know, other than that, I think Shelvin played solid. Shelvin actually came up with some clutch buckets in the fourth quarter. Um, and it was really an all-around team win. And Bruno, Bruno came out. I think he was like three or four from three-point range. And you can see, like, you can see the potential. Like, you know, he definitely passes the eye test. Super long, athletic, kind of just glides up and down the court. Um, so he would definitely be an interesting piece to see them implement um, if they choose to extend him to a second 10 day or what have you. But uh, man, when the clock hit zero and those streamers started falling and, you know, they played that DJ Khaled as they've done for all my life. Um, it was a beautiful feeling. It was a beautiful thing to see the Grizz get a win. I'm sure everyone saw the picture circulating of Mike and Mark embracing. Um, and that wasn't even after the game. That was after like Mark had hit a big three um, with a few minutes to go in the fourth. Uh, you can just see, like, the guys kind of just excited for that win and just really happy to kind of get one for the city. So it was a beautiful night. Yeah, Joe Kim was a team high, plus 12. He had that nice alley-oop. Uh, oh, yeah. Like said. Yeah, he had nine and six boards to go with that. Him, I thought him and Carter just really brought the energy. Uh, Jaron also played well. He, he had 20 points and six boards. Um, Mark was a team worst minus nine and plus minus. So I hate, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but mm. we still got some problems. It <laughs> seemed like it. It really did. And I, it seemed like he was playing really well and uh, hit a bunch of big threes and played with passion that was sorely missing from that, that crazy like slump that we had. But I mean, the stats don't lie. It's just a eye test. Usually you can tell, like, you know, when Shelvin Max asks, cause you're just watching him. You're like, damn. <laughs> This guy, what what's he doing in the NBA? But then, like, for Mark, he looked pretty good. So that's surprising to me. I guess it was defensively, but I don't know. Or he was inefficient shooting-wise. Yeah, I mean, that's just when he's on the court. So he he, he played pretty well overall. But, 
nice to get a win regardless of the circumstances. Yeah. And I think that uh, ever, ever since, you know, Monday was a rough game, but ever since the trade, uh, the Woj broke the news about Mike and Mark being on the trading block, it's been like a really emotional time just for everyone, everyone who cares about the Grizzlies, at least, you know, it's just been kind of, you really hate to, everyone's already writing all these columns and everything about how it's, it's sad that we are probably like, you need to trade them, honestly, because we're not, we're not going to win. We're not a championship team right now. And it, I, hopefully we can do with them a service and get them somewhere where they can win. Cause I think pal, they asked pal about it and he was there uh, about the trade. And he was like, yeah, you know, Mike and Mark, both, they would, they want to win a ring and they were really hoping that Memphis would like be the place where that would happen. But I, I would love nothing more than that, but they, Mike and Mark have both played this over this past week. They both had really solid weeks. So for my blue note baller of the week, I went with Marcus all who's someone, obviously he's been one of our biggest concerns over the past, like two, three months or whatever. And, you know, we've been putting a lot of blame on him for losing, but uh, this past week in the four games, 18.3 points, 10 and a half rebounds over five assists shooting 38.9% from three, uh, he, he just really, he brought it this week. I think even though he might be fighting through some pain with his, uh, with his shoulder, he really has brought it this week. Um, just kind of giving it all that he has. Cause I think he, I mean, he knows, I don't think he knows. I know he knows that, you know, he could be playing his last set of home games at any point in time, you know, here in Memphis. So I don't know who, um, Rich, who's your baller of the week? Oh man, baller of the week. Uh, mm, that's gonna be tough, but I think if I'm talking all four games of the week and consistency, um, I might need to go with Mark as well. Uh, I could go with Mark. I wanted to go with Omri, but then he didn't play last night. Um, I might go with Mark as well. Uh, I mean, from 22 points Monday, I think. Wednesday was the triple double. Um, he was solid on the boards against the Kings on Friday and yesterday in the building. Like uh, he was just, he was passionate. He was fired up, uh, you know, gave Mike a big kiss on the cheek. You can tell like he's, he's just, he's feeling good. Uh, and even with Mike, like uh, with Mark, uh, you kind of know, like when that shot is going in and like yesterday, like that shot was just pure, like his release, he was feeling it, follow through was there. So like he really had a good week and uh, hopefully, you know, the Grizz can do right by him. Hopefully. And uh, Mason, did you, anyone stick out for you this week? Mac 11, baby, 22 <laughs> and seven on 52% from the field. Uh, I got to, I got to go with Mike this week. And I, I wanted to give it to Mark, but his defense is just too bad. Jalil Okafor ate him up in that Pelicans game. I just, I just can't give it to him. Mike Conley. Yeah. And then I got the Brazilian bombshell, Bruno, I, for no other reason, but for the fact that when you guys come on the scene, and have decent games. It just gets me more excited, irrationally excited, especially considering this guy, his career is fascinating. Pick 20th overall in 2014 Brazilian kid. Uh, Fran Fraschilla famously commented he was two years away from being two years away, uh, which I find a fascinating Rubik's Cube of a comment, which he just <laughs> so said. So now is the time. It, uh, ironically, now is the time <laughs> when he said that, where he should be good. Uh, but I wish he just said he's four years away, but I'll, I'll take that up with Fran another time. 
Uh, I mean, he really, he, he does pass the eye test. He was athletic and he was just banging down threes in that game. So I really hope he can turn into something. And he's the exact age of the type of players we're looking to put around Jaron. So I, I, I give him plus points for kind of being young. Uh, I'm not an ageist, just, uh, just rebuilding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got the age on his side and then he's just so long and such a big guy. He's just the guy given ability is what JB kept calling it. And he can switch defensively. He can help on the boards. He can get, get a shot off over anyone in the NBA and he's got a pretty quick release. So uh, I guess it just depends on what his skills are like. I, we didn't really see him put it on the floor or anything like that, but if he can, if he can sit out there and fire up jump shots, then it's going to help the offense because we don't have anyone that can do that. Uh, Marcus Saul said last night it kind of gave us some oxygen offensively, basically because the team's been suffocating because we have no one that can do anything with the ball in their hands <laughs> other than Mike and Mark and no one who can shoot when they pass it to them. So uh, not a good problem to have. And Bruno, I mean, Bruno, we might as well go ahead and sign him for the rest of the year right now. Yep. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure we're going to get a better a better flyer to take on anyone uh, with his amount of upside and just what he brings to the table. I, I'd go ahead and sign him as soon as this first ten days up. Yeah, I mean, at this point, what, what do you have to lose? You might have actually found a diamond in the rough. You know, I mean, it happens a lot of times. These good teams just snag someone off a of G League, you know, like you know, very unknown person and they end up being a contributor i mean houston's guy daniel howe's playing for him from their g league or he's at what he's playing on a two-way he started a whole bunch of games with chris paul being out um yeah while the rockets are on their ascension yeah and it's not even the all-star game yet yeah because i was hoping we could go sign him but i I didn't realize he was under a two-way and that they were going to hold on to him yeah i don't blame him yeah me either (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But another thing with Bruno is looking towards the future, uh, pairing him with Jaron and having Kyle potentially handle the ball more. Those three right there, that gives you some length on the court, like Milwaukee Bucks style length. Yeah, Bruno's what, seven, seven and a half foot wingspan or something, isn't it? Yeah. It's ridiculous, yeah. He's supposed to be the Brazilian KD because he had the the length and was technically like a, a... like a wing player that supposedly could handle the ball and, and all that. So, I mean, anytime you have a tall ass guy that kind of plays like a guard, everyone like deems them <laughs> to insert nationality KD. Uh, but I think my favorite Bruno story is the fact that apparently he was playing at score Academy in Raleigh, North Carolina before he entered the draft. And uh, the coach told him to be super aggressive. Uh, and he shot so many threes that the coach pulled him aside and told him that he was banned from shooting threes for the season. <laughs> So uh, he's come a long way. Shouts to our boy Bruno. Uh, hopefully he never has to have a coach tell him that again. Yeah, shoot. He should, if he can hit like, you know, what, 35% of him, he can shoot all he wants for Memphis. So I'm introducing a uh, young new, fella. Shoot, got nothing to lose. I think this year would be a great year to uh, hone in on your stroke. Sounds good yeah, for me. So hey, if we can, so are we. <laughs> So are we in favor of winning games or not winning games moving forward? Losing. Rich? Losing. Yeah, I, I have to agree that I I, I want to see at least Mark traded before the deadline. And then um, I, Mike, if there's a good enough offer, 
And then if not, probably to get Mike, get what you can from him this summer. Um, if, if that's when we could get a better offer, but probably getting as high in the draft as we can this year is I'd like to get going with this process. I think that by like 2021, you know, we could have a decent team together if we're, if we get a couple good lucks, luck out a couple times. What about you, Mason? Okay, so let let me change my framing of the question. Assuming we get rid of Temple, Jamichael, uh, you know, Caspi, Mac, and and probably Gasol, maybe Conley, but assuming we bring in some some decent assets and some younger players, would y'all still would y'all want to outright tank? Say like sit Mike Conley if he stays, or would y'all want to try to win games with that group, knowing that we're not going to when that many could affect our, our positioning in the draft. Hmm. So what exactly are the young, what do you think, what's the haul from trading all those guys? What's the, like, what's ultimately cashing out with number of picks? I that mean, kind of stuff? So, so let's just say we got a couple more Brunos, just flyer got flyer guys that we need to see play with Jaron and see how they fit. Uh, I, I'm not going to go through every, every scenario and, Obviously, the picks don't play, but I mean, I don't want any of those guys that from on the current roster on the team anymore. Like shoving Mac, Jamichael Green, Caspi, fuck out of here! Like we're not we're what eight games out of the playoffs, and I mean those guys are not good basketball players anyway. So get them the hell up out of here for whatever we can get, and let's see if any young players that we may get in return can play. Yeah, I don't think honestly that you'd have to sit Mike to still lose most of your games. I think right. even if he's playing and you, whatever you get in return, you're still probably not going to win very many games. You're not going to beat the teams that are going to be better than you anyway. You're just, you may or may not beat the teams that have like 10 wins now, the five super crappy teams. So I don't think, I really don't think at that point it affects uh, where we're going to end up the season with our odds for the lottery. Yeah, I could see. I mean, I guess best case scenario is you get a good haul from all these trades you discussed bring in good young players um, that can build around Jaron. And then we somehow miraculously win enough games to convey the pick. Like, and those guys develop throughout the season and aren't just total losers. Don't get that kind of losing mentality. So that way the pick's gone. And, and then next year it could, we can kind of maybe steer more into a, a tanking situation, knowing that we need to get lottery guys. Cause I mean, it is kind of a two horse race in this lottery. Like for the most part, it's either Zion or RJ. And of course, you know, a lot of people are talking about John Morant, the kid in Murray state, just an athletic phenom, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't trust this draft like last year. So I, I'm not, I'm not super high on ending up with like Romeo Langford's bitch ass and the seventh pick and watching <laughs> him miss jumpers for like the next two years before we trade him to the Raptors. And he ends up being really good the second we get rid of him. So I just see it playing out. I just saw that vision in my head, y'all. Sorry about that. Was, that. that was such a detailed, vivid vision. <laughs> <laughs> my, my eyes just like rolled up in my head just then, and I like thought it might have been a damn premonition or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think that's that's what I would lean towards is uh, hoping that we got some young guys that we can check out to see if they're part of the future and. Uh, hopefully we could string together some wins and maybe convey the pick, maybe not. But I'm not in favor of trying to lose this year like I was last year. Yeah, so right now we sit tied for six with Orlando from the bottom, so in the tankathon. 
uh, 10 and a half games back at Cleveland and Detroit and the Pelicans are tied for the ninth slot. So we're two, two games behind, I guess, backwards behind. No. Yeah. Backwards behind. No regular behind. Detroit. What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) This whole backwards from the top is just confused me. For some reason, it really tripped me out. (laughs) So we're we're really not super far out of that ninth slot at this point. Right, exactly. And I mean maybe maybe getting rid of Mark and Jamichael and Shelvin and our team our defense gets better and we start winning some games that we haven't been winning. Who knows? It it really wouldn't surprise me if Joe Kim slid into the starting center spot and Ivan got what were Jamichael's minutes and we started to win win more games than we have been. Well, obviously, because we haven't won any games lately except for one. But you know what I'm saying? I feel like we'll, we will, we may see improvement that we're not expecting. Yeah, you got some fresh legs, some guys who have something to prove out there. Um, I, I could totally see that because, I mean, we don't know what we have in Rab. You know, he could come out and do really well, and whatever we get back from Jermichael might actually help. So I I could definitely see that happen too. All right, so upcoming this week, we have uh, the Nuggets to finish out the homestand on Monday. Uh, so that's that could that could get ugly. And then the Grizzlies go on the road to face the Wolves Wednesday, Hornets Friday, and the Knicks on Sunday. So really... The the next game could be pretty interesting, depending on uh, where you stand on the if you want to lose or win game. That'd be one to to watch and kind of see how that one plays out. Uh, any parting thoughts on the quadrant of games that we got coming up this week? It'll be interesting to see Mark, as long as he's on the team, uh, go up against Jokic and then Cat and then getting Fisdale revenge. So it, it could be a good week for him to go out. Yeah, there's all, there's something to look for. We got, you know, we'll see Derrick Rose. Hopefully on Wednesday if he's healthy. You know, it's always Thrill fun to Barton. watch Kimba. Yeah, yeah. It, that'll be, is it, I'm guessing the first time, because we haven't played the Nuggets in a while. So this is the first time since he's been back this year. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be pretty fun to see him. For sure. For sure, for sure. All right. You just heard another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. Follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts, on the Barn Burner Podcast Network, and we will see you later. Hey, Zach, get some sleep, Bo. I will. You can Peace. count on that. Peace. Shout out to them Tigers, baby. Let's go. Now follow me, Rose Stroll, weather is still a seven. Come, let's go take a visit to the people that's long gone there. Well, ladies, they're terrible. It's steady keeping up with the family. Exactly how many days we got lasting? While you laughing, we're passing, passing the wind. So you're rich, don't know, cause I know I'm gonna meet you up at the cross road. Y'all know you're forever got love with them both those babies.